Welcome to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcast. Feel free to download these sermons and share them with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. God bless. It's great to be with you tonight. And uh, I remember, as Pastor Joe just shared, I remember growing up as a boy, um, he was one of my pastors, and he used to always do the night service. Remember the night services? <laughs> and the night services were like the service to be at. And it was a packed house. And how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You, just, you don't even have to ask a question. You already know. <laughs> and, and I used to enjoy, as a boy, going to the night services because I'd always see Pastor Dale up on the front. And he'd be, you know, red in the face preaching the word. And he'd just be letting her rip. And, and it blessed me as a young boy. And so uh, I really, uh, I always respected Pastor Dale and loved him as my pastor. And, uh, and so it's just great, you know, how, uh, how the Lord just, he does, he does his thing. I never thought that I would be coming to Pastor Dale's church. It, God just, he works in mysterious ways, amen? And uh, so I trust that he's going to speak by his spirit through the power of his word, amen? How many of y'all know it's not a man or a woman with a microphone? It's the power of God. It's, it's, it's just simply, you can be exhausted, you can be worn out, you can be weary, discouraged, broke, you can just be, you can just be down and out, and, and the word of God ministers, Amen? Because it's the living word of God. It's the living word of God that, that pierces us, that pierces our hearts, that changes us from the inside out. Amen? Let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you tonight, God. Father, we thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit who's here tonight to minister to our hearts, Lord Jesus. May you, above everything else, Lord, may you be glorified, we pray. God, be glorified. Take your, your right place, Jesus Christ, here tonight and be exalted and be lifted up and be glorified. We love you. Jesus, you are the reason that we live. You are the reason that we woke up this morning. God, by your mercy, by your grace, by your love, we can, we can live our days for, for, for the things of God, for the glory of God in our lives. So, Father, just have your way tonight, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about the testing of the Lord, about the testing of the Lord. And it says in, in, in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 12 through 13 says, Beloved Christians, men and women of God, amen? He's saying, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, and it will be, amen, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. He says, beloved, don't think, what is going on with my life? Why am I going through all of these hardships? Why does my life it seems so bad and so difficult right now as if some strange thing has happened. Because yesterday I was fine. And then I woke up this morning and I felt depressed. My bank account was empty. My day at work was awful. What is this strange thing that's come upon me? And it didn't just last one day, but it lasted a week. And it lasted weeks and even a month or two. It was just this constant oppression, this constant fiery trial, whatever it may be. But the Bible says, do not think that it's some strange thing that's happened to you. 
But rejoice in those hard times. Rejoice when you don't understand why things are going the way they are. Amen? Don't sit down and, and, and huddle up in a corner and be like, God, what's happening? Something's wrong. And God all along is saying, no, 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 nothing's wrong. I'm testing you right now. You're in my will. You're exactly where I want you to be. So don't, don't sulk. Don't whine and complain. But stand up like the men and women of God that you are. Rejoice by faith alone. Rejoice that God is going to show his glory. And it's going to be revealed through this hardship, through this difficulty. Amen. Oftentimes, it's so easy to blame everything on the devil. Amen. Oh, the devil's hurting me. I'm poor because the devil. I'm depressed because the devil. I'm feeling discouraged. I lost my job. All these things because the devil. You cannot. And some of that's true. Amen. Right. He, he, he's the accuser. He's the one. He's our enemy. He, his, his whole job description in John 10, 10 is to kill us and to destroy us and to steal from us. Amen. So sometimes the devil can do that. But don't blame every single hardship and trial and test that we go through. Don't blame it on the devil. Don't blame it on your husband. Don't blame it on your wife. Right. Don't blame it on your boss at work. All the time. Oftentimes, the Lord takes his people, takes his children, and he brings them through the fire. He brings them through a time in their lives of testing because he wants to see what they're made of. How many of y'all know in school as kids, the kids study and they learn mathematics? You know, my son, he's in grade one and he, he knows math and, you know, two plus two and he's doing better than I did at math. And he knows all these, you know, little math questions and he, and he, and he's learning how to read and to write and to spell and all these fun things. But that can only go so far until you need to be tested. Because if we're not tested in school, you know, we're, we're not going to grow in our education. And it's the same application as Christians, as followers of Jesus. If our faith in Christ, in what the Bible simply says, if it is not tested regularly, we are not going to grow. And God's will for you and I is to grow. Amen? He wants us to be growing in our faith. There's a story in the book of John, chapter 11. Don't turn there, just listen. It's a story of Lazarus. Right? We all heard this story as a, as a little boy or girl. Lazarus died and came back to life. Praise the Lord. But there's so much more in this. And he had, he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And, and Mary and Martha are going through this, this horrible time in their lives. They love Jesus. They walk with Jesus. They're good people. They're good Christians. They go to church every Sunday. They put their tithes in the, in the offering plate. They even put offering in the offering plate. Right? Mary and Martha are great Women of God, they love Jesus, amen? But they find themselves in this horrific, tragic time in their lives. They find themselves that their brother, their dear brother, who they love so much, he's become very, very sick. But they know that Jesus can heal him. They know that if they just go get Jesus, he'll come and, and he'll make everything okay, right? Just, just, you know, when things are bad, just call to Jesus, like... You know, he'll make everything fine. And they, and they know that this is true. They know that Jesus is full of compassion and full of power and healing. Amen. 
And so Jesus was out of town. They're in Bethany. And they, they run to Jesus. And he was in Jerusalem just a short ways away. And they, they, they run to Jesus. And they come, Jesus, Jesus, please come. Come right now. We're going through this really hard time. We don't know what to do. Our brother, he's sick. Lazarus, your friend, you know, you love him. Come, he's sick. He's going to die. You've got to come right now. Please, please come right now with us and heal him. And Jesus came right away, didn't he? Wow, amen. <laughs> Jesus didn't go right away. What did Jesus do? He stayed in the same place. He stayed where he was for two more days. You can imagine. Mary and Martha thought for sure Jesus would come right away. They thought for sure right away. As soon as they prayed, as soon as they cried out to Jesus that he would come. But he didn't. He waited. And so Mary and Martha go back home, and Jesus stays where he is. And, and a couple days later, uh, Lazarus dies. And, and, and the Bible says that Jesus finally goes to, to see uh, Lazarus, who's sleeping. And his disciples are like, he's sleeping. And he's like, he's dead. He's dead to his disciples, right? And, and so the, he finally goes. And Mary and Martha are at home, and they're, and they're mourning the loss of their brother. And he's been in the grave for four days. And here comes Jesus, and, and Martha can see him coming finally. And she runs out to him, and she says, Jesus, Jesus, why didn't you come the first time I called? Why didn't you come? Why didn't you come when we cried out to you? It's too late now. It's over. And Jesus says, did I not tell you that this sickness your brother had was not unto death, but it was for the glory of God to be revealed? That's what Jesus told them. He says, don't fret. Lazarus, this is not unto death, but God's glory, if you only believe, it's going to be revealed through this. Somehow, some way, it will be revealed. Just believe what I'm saying. And so he comes, and Martha's like, why didn't you come? It's over. And he's like, you need to believe, Martha. You need to believe that all things do really work together for good. Somehow, to those that love God. Amen? To those that who are called according to his purposes. To those who are seeking him first. To, to those people who are in the will of God. By faith, one day at a time, all things really do work out for good. Somehow they do. Just believe is what he tells her. And he goes, show me the tomb. And so they take him to the tomb and, they, and he says, open the tomb. And they're like, no, 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 he's been dead four days. He's going to stink. It's not going to be pretty, don't. And he's like, Psh. Stop. He didn't really say that. You, you could have chuckled there a little bit. Anyways, maybe that wasn't funny. And so Lazarus, he opened his Lazarus come forth, and Lazarus came forth. And the miracle and the glory of God was revealed. You see, God, Jesus was testing their faith. Jesus will come, and he will test your faith. It, your, your faith must be tested. He will bring you to these impossible situations where you have n literally no plan B, no other way out. All you can do is trust in God. I've been there recently. I've been there many times the last five years. The Lord's been breaking me down and busting me open and just and testing me. And, and it really, 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 really hurts. It's really hard and it's not fun. But man, is it good when you see it through. When you, when God, when you know that God is with you and all you have is faith. Your feelings and your emotions tell you everything opposite. Amen? 
How many of you have been there before? That your mind and people around you and your circumstances and your emotions and the way that you feel says everything is wrong. That God's forsaken you. God's left you. But deep down, deep down somewhere, because of the word of God and the spirit that dwells within you, you know deep down somewhere with a mustard seed size of faith, a mustard size seed of faith, that you know that God's with you. You know that God's going to see you through. You know that it's okay. That all is well. Amen? The testing of the Lord. It's absolutely vital for our growth. It says in the book of James, James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Count it all joy when life is really lousy. If you were a bunch of teenagers, I'd say something differently. Not, I wouldn't curse, but don't. But count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, count it all joy when you're being tested, when you're being bombarded from every side of your life. Count it all joy. Why? Knowing, knowing, say it, say knowing, because we know that the testing of our faith produces patience. And then we let patience have its perfect work that you may become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's not in vain. God does not put you through hardship in vain. It's for a reason. And when you just let God do what he needs to do, your faith is going to grow and it's going to produce this supernatural patience within you that you just wait upon the Lord knowing that he's the one who's going to give you strength to wait. And this patience then completes you and makes you the man of God and the woman of God that he wants you to be, lacking nothing. Amen? Praise the Lord. The testing of our faith. This is God's main concern for us. Do you know that? He's not concerned about your money, about your house, about your cars, that you have a good job. His, he is concerned. But his main concern for you and I, it will always be that our faith is strong in him. And he will do whatever he needs to do. To make sure that our faith is strong in him. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith it's impossible to please him. So if our faith is not there. If our faith is weak. God is going to bring us to that place. And he knows how hot it needs to be. He knows exactly what we need to go through. In order for our faith to become strong in him. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8 please. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 1 we'll start. This is Moses speaking to the Israelites, Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. It says, every commandment, everyone say every commandment, not just eight or nine, but every one of them, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And everybody said, Amen. Verse 2. And you shall remember, he's talking to the people, church, Israel, Christian, you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. That's a long time, amen? The Lord led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you 
and to test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger. Did you hear that? God allowed you to hunger. God tested you. He allowed you to suffer and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out. Listen to this, ladies. Your garments, your clothes did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. They didn't need new shoes. Amen? My wife's probably like, <laughs> new shoes. You should know in your heart, verse 5, as a man chastens his own son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, <clears throat> of fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Verse 10, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given to you. Beware, verse 11, that you do not forget the Lord your God. You see, listen, God brought his people to a place where they ran out of food. They ran out of water. They didn't know how they were going to survive. God did it. God did it. It wasn't a mistake by Moses. It wasn't a mistake by any man. It was ordained by God, by the Holy Spirit, that they would hunger, that they would be in need. Amen. And the reason why he did it was simply to test them, to see what was in their heart. It wasn't to hurt them. It wasn't to discipline them in, 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 a, in, a, in a wrong way, to punish them. It was simply to see what was in their heart, to see if they really believed God, to see if they were really going to obey what God commanded them, to see if they were going to trust in the Lord with all of their hearts, despite what they see with their eyes. That was the purpose for it. And God tells them through Moses, he says, listen, I'm with you and I know things are hard, but I'm with you. I need to test you. You need to prove that you're mine. I want you to show me. I want you to prove to others that you're mine. You see, when you're going through hardship, when you're going through difficulties, people want to see you still praising God. Your coworkers who know that you're Christians at work. Amen. How many of y'all have coworkers that know you're a Christian? And then, and then you find yourselves going through, through, through hell. You, you find yourselves going through these difficult tests and hardships. It would be so easy for you to go to work to your unbelieving, unbelieving friends and hang your head low and be like, oh, I'm just struggling right now. That would be tempting. That would be your flesh. That would be the natural thing to make you feel better. But if you can go into those workplaces and say, you know what? I'm going through this difficulty and they know it, but they see you praising God. They hear you singing praises unto God as you work, as you build something or work on the computer. They see that. Amen. God wants to test us to make us show the world, to show him that our hearts are for him and him alone. No matter what we feel, no matter what things look like. Amen. And that was the purpose for it. He says, even though it's hard now, even though you're going through these trials now, I am going to bring you into the good land. It will end. Say that with me. It will end. Say it again. 
it will end. This too shall pass. Aren't you glad for that? I remember in school when I'd have exams or tests, I used to hate exams and tests, and I would go in for math or science. What's the point of science? Any scientists here? <laughs> you, you, you could tell me wrong. But I remember going into those exams, and I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be the longest hour and a half of my life. And I would sit down with my pen and my paper and my notebook and all that stuff, and, and it would just seem like forever, but it, it, it ended it, it came to an end. It didn't last forever. Amen? Even though it was brutally brutal for an hour and a half, it, it, the, the, talk, the clock ticked and it ended and I walked out and it was over. And it's the same for us. Be encouraged that God is with you through the trials. God is with you through the hardships. And he's doing it for your good. But just know that it will end. And you're going to come to that place where you're going to see the, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You're going to see the milk and the honey flowing. You're going to see the blessings of God. You're going to receive the favor of God. Amen? When you prove to him, God, my heart is for you. I am broke. I am down and out. I feel awful. But God, I trust you. I simply trust you. And he's like, yes, do it again tomorrow. And you do it again tomorrow. He's like, yes, do it again tomorrow. And you do it again tomorrow. He's like, do it for the next six months. Do it every day for six months. And then after six months, I'll bless you for it. Amen? Do you believe that? How many of y'all know God wants to bless his people? God doesn't want to just test us and, and, and allow us to go through hardships all the time. He wants to bless us as we prove to him we are the Lord's. In Genesis 22, you all know the story. The Bible says that God came to Abraham to test him. And Abraham received the promise. What was the promise for Abraham? His son Isaac, right? And God gave him Isaac. In his old age, it was a miracle of God. And he had to wait a long time for it. And finally, he had his son, Isaac. And Isaac was a young, a young boy. And God, out of nowhere, comes to him. You know, I have a young son. And, and when I come home from work, I enjoy my son. I, I wrestle with him. I throw him on the couch. And he, he's, do it again. And I throw him harder. Do it again. And I throw him harder. And I body slam him. And, and he comes up and punches me. We have a great time. I love hanging out with my son. Some of you are probably thinking, what? This guy beats his son man what is this guy but that's how you know we just love i love my kids I, and and you can imagine abraham when when he finally sees this promised child of god this miracle of god that they would you know play their old israelite games or whatever you know throwing rocks in the sand or i don't know but but you know go fishing down by the brook or whatever or or just you know taking care of the sheep i don't know but but he would enjoy his son isaac and he was just loving this promise and rejoicing in God. Thank you for this blessing in my son. Thank you that, Lord, the promise you gave to me years ago, you were faithful to give me that promise. And now I have it. Now my life is well and things are good. And then out of nowhere, God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to go kill your son. Could you imagine this absolute devastating request of the Lord? And Abraham started to argue with the Lord, right? No. 
Abraham said, God, no, find somebody else. That guy down the road, you know, go pick him. You know, no, no, you know, I'll take Sarah, you know, not, not Isaac. No, I was just joking. But, you know, please change it. Anything but Isaac. That's not what he said. The Bible says the next day he got out on his donkey, gathered some things, brought some servants, brought his son, said, son, we're going to go worship the Lord. And they traveled for a number of days. You could imagine the thoughts going through his head. I'm going to kill my son. I'm going to kill my son. Like, this doesn't make sense. This can't be God. This needs to be the devil. This isn't the thing that God would request of me to, 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 to kill my own son. And I'm on my way to do it because I know deep down it's the voice of God. This is messed up. Right? And, and, and they go and finally, you know, Isaac says, Daddy, you know, we have the wood and stuff, but, you know, we have some things to make fire. And, but but where's, the, where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? And what does Abraham say? Did he, did he say, ah, I don't know, I'm still waiting, let's just keep walking until I figure it out. He says, no, 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 the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. I don't understand it right now. I don't get why he's making me do this. But even though against all my feelings and all my flesh, I know somehow, some way, God is going to make a way. God is going to come through. God is going to be good to me because he is my God. And this child is my promise from him. Amen? And so he goes and he lays out Isaac on the altar and, 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 and he raises the knife. And as soon as he's about to plunge that knife into Isaac and, and obey the Lord, obey what God's commanded him to do, the Bible says, and an angel says, stop, because now I know you fear me. Now I know you fear the Lord. You see, that was a test to see what was in Abraham's heart. And Abraham proved to God that he feared him more than anything else. That he loved him more than anyone else or anything else. That he was sold out to God. And it was because he passed that incredibly hard test. He passed the test that God provided. Amen. And then he looks and there's a ram caught in the thicket. And he, and he does a sacrifice and worships the Lord. And he names the place God will provide. Amen. Praise the Lord. God will provide for you. God will see you through. That goodness that God promised you will come. Endure hardship as good soldiers of Christ Jesus. Keep going one day at a time. Jesus said, don't think about tomorrow. Forget about yesterday. It's over, right? Amen? Yesterday is out of your hands. You can't do nothing about it. If you need to repent of sin, repent of sin. And let the Lord cleanse you, amen? And wash you. But yesterday is over with. And tomorrow's not promised. Tomorrow's not even here. And Jesus said, think only of today, for there's enough in this day as it is right now. Amen? Keep going one day at a time, trusting that God will see you through. You know the story of Job, as I'm going to close shortly here. I'm not going to read it as I was planning. But very familiar story, Job. God says, Job was my favorite in that day. That he was a blameless, and he was an upright man who loved the Lord, who feared God, who shunned evil. Every day, Job would get up, and he would spend time with the Lord, and he would resist evil. He would want nothing to do with things that would tempt him to try to pull him away from the Lord. He, he, he just was so in love with God. 
And God knew it. God knew Job's heart. And this one day, the, the devil with his demons are, are searching across the earth. And God says, what are you doing? It's kind of this crazy part of the Bible. But God's like, what are you, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to kill people. I'm looking to destroy people. That's what I'm there to do. And God's like, well, hey, listen, why don't you, why don't you go and, and test Job? And Job's like, thank you, Jesus. You know, thank you, God. You know, God actually tells the enemy. He says, you go. Go get Job because I know he's not going to forsake me. Go. And so the devil's like, all right, cool. And God gave him permission. God allowed the enemy to go and to test Job like nobody's ever been tested before. And, and, the, and God allows the devil to kill his children, to wipe out all his property, his land. He loses all his money. And then the next day he goes back and, 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 he, and he puts all these, these really painful boils on Job's body. And Job falls to the ground, scraping the boils off with pottery, the Bible says. And he's in so much agony and pain. And he's like, God, what have I done? And through the, through the book of Job, Job's like, why was I even born? On the day that I was born, why didn't I just die at birth? Why, am, why is my life like this? He was in so much agony. He was going through so much suffering. And then his wife comes to him, and she puts her, her arm around him and encourages him. No, she says, why don't you just die? Curse God and then die yourself, Job. He had nothing. And then his three friends come and they, and they start accusing him that there's sin in his life. And if, and if this sin wasn't in your life, God wouldn't do this to you. And Job is all alone and he lost everything and he lost everyone and he's in so much pain physically and emotionally and spiritually. He doesn't know what's become of his life. His life has just turned completely upside down and he has no idea what's going on. But he says, yet though God slay me. Well, sorry, I just spit some stuff there. He says, yet, yet, I apologize. Oh, that was such a bad time for that to happen. Job says, even if God slays me, yet will I trust him. God can kill me and I will still trust him. Amen. And he held on to his profession of faith. And it says here, as we close in Job 23, verse 8 to 12, listen to what Job says. He says, look, I go forward. But God is not there. And I go backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. And when he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Amen? Job lost it all. Job was being severely tested by God. And all he could say was this profession of faith. Even though I don't see God in my life, even though I don't hear him in my times of prayer every morning, even though God doesn't seem to be working at all in my life, I know he's there, but I don't see him. I can't hear him. I don't perceive him. Where is God? Is God even real? That's how Job's feeling. And he says, but I know that God knows what he's doing. I know that God knows the way that I take. Because the Bible says that I know, God says that I know the plans that I have for you. And that if we trust in him, he will direct our steps. Amen. So Job's like, God, I know that you know what you're doing with me. I know that you know exactly where I took, I'm to go in my life. And so Job says, so I know that when this test is over, when this test is over, because it will end, 
I'm going to be pure as gold. I'm going to be refined in the fire. Amen? It talks about, I believe it's in Isaiah 49. It talks about going through the furnace of affliction. You know, sometimes the Lord will bring us to this place where we step into the furnace. And it's this furnace of affliction. We're, we're being beaten and battered. And it seems like God's not even there. But, oh, he's nearer than ever. Amen? And when you come out of that furnace of affliction, when you come out of that test by faith alone, you will become pure as gold. And at the end of the book, at the end of Job, because Job was obedient to God, Job didn't forsake the Lord. Yes, Job complained before the Lord, but his heart was right before God. And he passed the test that God blessed him double in return than what he had in the beginning. Amen? I mean, God is faithful. No matter what the devil says to you, God is faithful. God is faithful. We spent the last five years in Aurelia, and Pastor Dale came up quite a number of times over the five years to minister uh, in, our, in our church, the Aurelia Life Center. My dad, uh, Mike, my parents, Mike and Julie Noel, and my wife Cindy and I, we started this church. And, and we knew that God called us to Aurelia. <clears throat> he made it very clear going back about six years ago. And, and so we decided to move there and my wife and I moved there with my parents and we were never there. Like we, we were going to a place we did, we were never there. I drove through it once in the nighttime for 15 minutes. And I, that's what I knew of Aurelia, my new home. And so, but we knew that God was calling us there. So we moved there in November of 2005 and, <clears throat> And we, we, t- we took over this small church of, of a few elderly people, and it was dying. It was falling apart. There was no life in it. It was, it was dying. And we were asked by the, the pastor to come take it over. And so we incorporated some more uh, modern worship and, and, and some preaching, and we slowly brought some things in to, 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 to get the life of the Holy Spirit alive, to, to, to let God move. God was being, was being hindered. And, and, and so we came, and, and the Holy Spirit started to move in some ways. They never had Sunday school before. And a young couple from my work came and brought their two little girls. And, and we had a Sunday school, praise the Lord, two little girls. And, and these elderly people, without any disrespect towards them, these elderly people didn't like it and, and became angry. And so, so we were in God's will. We were obedient to the call of God to move to Aurelia. And, and we stepped out in faith. And, and it was great. But four months after moving there, the pastor and his board decided to fire my dad and to kick us out. And so after four months of, of knowing that we're in God's will and knowing that we were obedient, knowing that we heard that we're not going crazy here. We know God spoke to us. And, and, and now we're being kicked out of what we left everything behind for only four months into it. And it was all based on lies. And, and, and we were just, we were taken off guard. And I remember that next Sunday, we, we didn't go anywhere. And we were just all, the four of us, we were like, what are we supposed to do? Like, this is messed up. And, and the Spirit of God spoke to us as we prayed and cried out to Him. And He says, stay here. I've called you here. And so the next week, we started the Aurelia Life Center. And a couple people that liked us from that church came with us with the two little girls. They came with us. And we had a church of four people. And, and, I, and, and, and just 
trial after trial started to begin to happen. And we, all while we know we're in God's will. And the enemy would try to lie to us so oftentimes, like, maybe you're out of God's will. Maybe, you are, maybe you've disobeyed the Lord. Maybe you, you heard wrong. Maybe you've missed it. But we knew deep down we were in God's will. And then maybe a year after that whole thing happened, my, my, my dad was suddenly rushed to the hospital with multiple blood clots. Some of you may remember. And the doctor says, you should be a dead man right now. And, and, and just all these different tests. And then about a year after he recovered, about a year after that, it, our church was starting to grow and, and things were starting to look alive. Then this, this evil, wicked spirit of discord came into our church and split the church. And, and 30, or, 30 or 40 people left the church. And we were again in this place of feeling like, God, what is happening here? You see, we were going through these, these times of trials and testing. And it wasn't for our harm. It wasn't because we were being disobedient, even though that was a battle to fight against that lie. Do you hear what I'm saying? But deep down by faith, we knew that God was with us. And we knew that it would end. And I tell you, the whole five years, it was test and trial and test, one after the other. But we knew that the hand of God was with us. And that that eventually ends. And it it ended for my wife and I. God closed the door for for Cindy and I in Aurelia uh, just about six months ago. And through three months of prayer and seeking God, Lord, what do we do? He he gave us the green light to come back to Kitchener-Waterloo. I don't have a clue as to why we're here. Praise the Lord. I don't, I don't have a clue. We didn't come with any agenda. We didn't come knowing what church we were going to. We didn't come. I was the one who picked our apartment. Oh, boy. My wife is in Aurelia, and I was working here for a month. And I was the one. It was my job to find us an apartment to live in. Oh, man. And, I, and you know, how many of y'all know, men, that we don't look in certain areas of homes that women would look into? Show me your hand. You know what I'm talking about. Right? <clears throat> we, we don't. We don't smell odors that women smell, right? Right? We, we can lie down in, in a bed of bugs and we, we'd be fine, right, Pastor Dale? My wife's like, what a liar. And so I picked this, this home for us. And, you know, we had a budget, really, a, a, a budget that we could go by and stuff. And it turns out to be five minutes down the road from here. And, and I remember the night that we, we moved here, uh, December 17th, um, I said on the, we were driving the, the truck down, and I said, isn't it exciting you, you moving to a place you've never seen before? And she's kind of like, no, you know? And we, and we got to our place, and, and I'll never forget when we walked in. We walked into our apartment, and I, I already knew what to expect, kind of. But right away, she's like, what's that smell? And, and, and I'm like, what smell? <clears throat> and right away... She starts looking in cupboards. How, how many women here like clean cupboards in your kitchen? <laughs> My wife is so gracious. Oh, I thank the Lord for her. And she started to notice things that I didn't look at, that I didn't inspect, that I didn't pull out and, whoa, what was that? You know, I didn't do any of that stuff. And, and I, we were tired. It was a four-hour drive home, uh, drive down to Waterloo that night. It was cold that night. It was a week before Christmas. The kids were tired and cranky in the back seat. My wife in the passenger seat, tired and cranky. Me driving, tired. It was just, it was, it was not a good situation before we opened the apartment door. But 
she turns to me and and we laugh about it now and I thank the Lord for that and she says I am not living here and yo you can imagine you can imagine you know what I said you know what I said this is what I said exactly I looked at her pale in my face and I said I said not right now honey Not right now, honey. And I tell you, that was that night we spent the night in a hotel that my brother put us up in. Our whole home was in a U-Haul truck parked on the street that we now live on. And that night, I felt so out of place. I wanted to get back in that truck and move back home. I, and we were very, very close to doing it. Our, our home was all packed up in the truck still. We could just drive it back. We have 48 hours with the truck still. And I tell you, that next morning, I called my parents and said, we're coming back home. We're getting in the truck. We're coming. But you know what? My mom said, my mom, thank the Lord for moms. And she said, there's nothing here for you anymore, son. It, it's over here for you now. And, she, you know, she would, she would love it. She, I mean, we lived with my parents. She had her grandkids there all the time. Like, you know, it would be my mom saying, yeah, come back, sweetie. But she said, no, it's over for you now. And I thank the Lord that we stuck it out. And that next day, we went to our apartment and we <laughs> oh. and we started to scrub and clean and spray for breeze and you know what <clears throat> you know what it was a tough week my kids got both really bad flu that same week it was brutal a week before christmas it was really 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 hard the first week and i guess the first couple weeks being here but god is so gracious and God is so strong. And you know what? It's like that story that Pastor Dale encouraged me with it when I first, maybe a month after I moved here, about Jehoshaphat. You know, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why we're living here. I don't know why we're living here and, and, and what we're doing and what you're doing. But our eyes are on you. Amen? And, that, and, and I thank the Lord that we, we met for coffee and he just, he felt the Lord just to speak that to me and and I went home and read that and over and over again. And, you know, I thank the Lord. It's, it's the power of God. It's the word of God. It's knowing that God is with us. And if God is before us, if we know that God is going before us, nothing can stand against us. Amen. But we just need to endure. We need to stick it out one day at a time. And you know what? Now we, we love our little apartment. We do. My wife's not angry at me anymore. And, and, and you know what? It, it's all good. Amen. 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 So, I'm beat. It's time to go home for some sleep. I got to get up tomorrow morning. So, <laughs> let's just close in prayer. Amen. Then I'll hand it over to Pastor Dale. Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you tonight for being so good. Father, there's uh, many people here tonight uh, that I don't know, and they don't know me, but Lord, we've all gone through our things. We've all gone through our difficulties. We've all been through the hard times. And, Lord, we've all seen your faithfulness, God. We've all seen your hand of provision. We've all seen your grace. Lord, even as Paul, God, cried out to you three times to take this thorn out of his flesh, God, this messenger of Satan. God, he was being tormented, Lord, and, 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 he, and he didn't know what to do. And he said, God, would you just take it from me? Would you just take this pain away? And, God, you said no. But my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Lord, I pray tonight that we would leave this place knowing that whatever we're going through, 
God, your grace is enough for us. Your grace is more than enough. It's sufficient for us, Lord. And God, your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Father, we thank you that we can rely upon you. We can rely upon the truth of the word of God. And Father, we just declare tonight that we will continue to press on one day at a time, trusting in you. Father, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, Lord. We thank you for this time together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcasts. I trust you were blessed by today's episode. We'll see you next time. God bless.